Good morning, everybody. This is Rashad Gibson, your host of Gospel Thoughts with episode number 40. And this morning, I wanted to talk to you guys about is the black community really in need of police reform or cultural reform? You know, ever since the murder of George Floyd, there has been a major push to in the black community to have police reform. Some have even pushed for defunding the police, um, which in my estimation would be very, very unwise. It will be very, very, in my estimation, foolish. Nevertheless, there are many that that were in the black community that want to support that. Be that as it may, when it comes to police reform, I would say, yes, there probably should be some reform on the police department, however that looks. There will be nothing wrong with that by by just having a general understanding that there is police brutality not just happening with the black community, but also in the white community. Last year, there were over, there were 19 unarmed white men killed and there were eight black men killed unarmed. So we do know that unarmed men are being killed along with black men and there's police brutality on both sides. I don't think police, police brutality is a discriminatory issue by looking at the different studies, although one could say that, yeah, blacks may be brutalized a little bit more than whites, but all in all, it works on both sides, especially when you factor in that blacks have a higher degree of having police contacts due to committing violent crimes. Nevertheless, is police police brutality, or rather police reform, is that the real answer to our current dilemma? And I would say no, it is not. I would like to reference Jesus in proposing what I'm about to say. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses one through five, he he gave a particular example about judgment. And within this particular example, he he doesn't he doesn't rebuke us in giving a judgment, but he gives us wisdom on how to judge. He gives an example of someone having a log in their eye and someone having a speck in their eye. The log would be something very, very noticeable. You're walking around with this big log in your eyes, knocking everybody upside the head. And, you know, for some reason, you won't remove it. But then you'll go up to somebody else and see a speck in their eye and you'll want to pluck it out. And Jesus, Jesus was saying, first, remove the log out of, your, out of your eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. 
Now, that just makes sense. It doesn't make sense for you to walk around with a big log in your eye and, and then criticize someone else for having a speck in their eye. That that would, to me, defeat the purpose. That, that would be what you would call being hypocritical. And that's what it is. You see, in my estimation, police reform is the speck. That is the speck. One could say, to a great degree, the police or the quote-unquote white man, as, as many would say, is the speck. It is not the log. The log is black culture. The log needs to be removed. Let me just give you a very simple explanation, a very simple example. If you want to end police brutality, don't put yourself in the place to commit a crime. In short, do not commit a crime. The chances of you being brutalized by the police without committing a crime would drop drastically. Would you not agree? And since you don't put yourself in a position to be brutalized by the police, the likelihood of black men being shot will drop drastically. Now, of course, there may be those random events in which sometimes things go left for whatever reason and tragedies happen. And it happens on both sides. But generally speaking, if you're not committing a crime, more than likely, you won't have a police contact. And even if you do have a police contact and not give the police a difficult time, usually things will go well. You know, one thing we have to understand about this, and I know that, you know, people are angry, but I'm going to say it anyway. You don't want to fight the police while they're doing their job. You have to understand police are human beings. And you have some human beings that do have a sense of morality and you have some police that do not have a sense of morality. And you, if you mess with one that does not have a sense of morality, things can go left very quick. Or even the one that does have a sense of morality, they're still human. They're human beings. It doesn't matter if they have a badge and a gun. They're human beings first. They have sin natures. I'm not trying to defend the police or bad police. I'm just speaking in a general term from a theological perspective. You have to understand what you're dealing with. You're dealing with someone that does have a weapon, that does have the law on their side, that does have a taser and mace, and they have the authorization to use it. 
if need be. You don't know what that police officer has been going through throughout that day. You don't know what's going on in his home life. You don't know what's going on in his psychological life. You don't know what's going on in his emotional life. So if there is a police contact, comply with what they say. Whether you're black or whether you're white. This does not mean if they're doing something unjustly to just lay down. No, I'm not, I am not advocating that at all. What I'm saying is there is a proper place to fight the law. It is called the court. That's where you fight your battles. You don't fight a police officer. You're not going to get nowhere. It's going to end up, it's going to go left, usually. Treat the police with respect. Treat them first with respect as a human being and then as a police officer. I'll give you an example from my own life. And then I'm going to get into some other things. This is about eight months ago or so. I was driving. Um, we have a nice SUV, nice SUV, a nice luxury SUV. And, you know, I'm driving, minding my business, not bothering nobody. And I was actually listening to a sermon on my, on my phone from David Wilkerson. And I was leaving CVS and... I'm at a stoplight. I go through the stoplight and I'm noticing that the police are pulling people over. So the police tells me to pull over. And I'm like, what is this about? You know, I wasn't doing, I wasn't speeding, I wasn't doing anything. So he, he goes to sh tell me that I was on my phone. And that's why he pulled me over. And I said, no, I wasn't on my phone because I'm listening to a sermon. You can hear it playing. I wasn't on my phone. And I tried to convince him. He says, well, no. He said, well, he just told me, well, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that as a note in the record that this is what you stated, whatever, yeah, whatever. But he still took my license and everything, insurance, and he gave me a ticket for being on my phone. I said, okay. I was upset about it. I'm not going to lie. I was very upset because I knew that I was not doing anything wrong. So what I did was I printed out my phone records. And I highlighted my, my last phone calls and text messages and everything. And I showed them the ticket I got, the time I got the ticket. And it obviously showed that I wasn't on my phone during the time the police officer accused me of being on my phone. And what did the prosecutor do? He threw it out. He threw the case out. And that was that. I could have fought and fussed and argued and yelled at the police officer. But what have happened? What could have happened was things could have escalated and it could have got very, very ugly. But no, I, I went to court, I fought the case, and I won. I didn't have to pay a fine, it didn't go on my, it didn't go on my driver's lights or anything. So there's a place to fight the police or fight the law. It's the courtroom. It's not on the street. 
So that's the first thing. The first thing, like I said, do not have police contact or do not commit a crime. And more than likely, that will lower your chances of being brutalized by the police. And even if you do have a police contact, if it's a moving violation, just comply. It's really that simple. And if you are speeding, don't argue with the police saying, yeah, I, mean, I was speeding. You know what I mean? I was, I was wrong. Just admit to it. Own, own up to your stuff. Again, there may be times where you be pro, when you're profile. I gave, a, I gave a podcast about that yesterday, and that's a, it's the same thing. You can always fight that in court, always. Because being on the street, it won't work out well. So that's the first thing. I guarantee, if you're not committing a crime, your the likelihood of you being contacted by the police is very, very low. And again, remember, you're dealing with a human being. You're not dealing with a robot. You're dealing with a human being. And just, and I want you to think about something, because a lot of times people, I mean, these cops are, are crap cops. They get, got these egos. Well, if you know that, then you have to use some wisdom to say, you know what, I'm not going to give them nothing to, to come at me with. I'm just going to comply. And if I got to go to court, then I'll fight them in court. So if you have that information in advance that you don't like cops because they got egos or they got this or they got that, then comply and fight them in court. What's so hard about that? Doesn't that make sense? Okay. The second thing is I want to talk about is that of cultural reform. You know, police reform... Again, it's a speck. It is not the log. It is a speck in the eye of our neighbor. Cultural reform is the huge log within black culture, the black community. That log is sticking out from New York City to Los Angeles. That seemingly just goes unnoticed that no one wants to talk about. Or when you bring it up, people say, oh, don't bring up the black-on-black crime because, you know, that's not really the issue. Da, 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 da. No, it is the issue. And it's not really... It, let, me, let me be frank. It's not essentially the crime. The crime issue is a symptom of a larger problem. The larger problem is the cultural issue. The, the, the crime is rooted in the culture. So one can, one can say, yeah, one could agree and say, well, yeah, it's not just about black on black crime. It's really about the black culture. Let me read to you something from a man from about 230 years ago or so. Back in the 1780s, there was a man named Benjamin Rush. Benjamin Rush was a founding father. He was one of the founding fathers. I know we usually only hear about Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and George Washington, but lo and behold, there were about 56 founding fathers. He was one of them <clears throat> who signed the Declaration of Independence. He was a medical doctor. He was a reformer. He was a humanitarian, but more importantly, or he was an abolitionist as well as he was very anti-slavery. And he was also a Christian, a very devout Christian. And let me read to you something he said over 200 years ago 
in that time, and I want you to think about this for a second. He says this, quote, the effects of music upon the moral faculty have been felt and recorded in every country. Hence, we are able to discover the virtues and vices of different nations by their tunes as certainly as by their laws. The effects of music upon the passions are powerful and extensive, end quote. Benjamin Rush was speaking about the influence of music over 230 years ago. No, I'm sorry, more than 230 years ago, about 280 years ago, really. He was speaking about the, the influence of, of, of music back then. He was speaking about the power of music. He said, we can discover the vices and virtue by the tunes of that nation. Makes you think, what type of music was it, were they playing back then? And which he was saying what he was saying then. So why, why you even say, okay, Rochelle, what are you trying to get at? Well, I'm trying to get at this. Benjamin Rush was right. In fact, I didn't read the rest of it, but he literally goes on and he, be, he begins to compare the influence of music with the influence of the pulpit. There's a correlation there. Let's bring this into the black community. Blacks have the highest consumption of hip hop. You look at any survey, whatever. The majority of black America consumes hip hop and R&B. Although there are actually more whites that consume it because there's more whites in the population. But proportionately, Hip-hop is a black thing. That's what it is. When you look at the content of hip-hop, it is filled with vices. It is filled with vices. Filled. Those vices manifest in immorality. It manifests in Drug use, it manifests in violence, it manifests in murder, it manifests in profanity, it manifests in broken homes, it manifests in every single vice you can think of known to man, throw it into hip hop. It manifests in sensuality. And that seems to be the core influence within black culture. I know this for a fact because again, I'm black and I, I grew up in the black community. So here it is, you have the black community, which is shaped primarily by a vice filled culture, which is hip hop culture or subculture. And people seem to be quote unquote no pun intended, in tune with that culture. 
Now, something also we, we have to take into effect and all ties together is most statistics show that in the black community, we are about 75 to 80 percent single family households. There's only one parent in the house. So this Think about a couple of things. Number one, we have the most single family, most single family households. We're the most violent racial group. We make up about 53% of all violent crime, yet we only make up 12% of the population. Chew on that for a second. Think about that for a moment. We make up about 35% of the prison population, although we're only 12% of the general population. We commit the most abortions out of proportionally out of all groups, all racial groups. We commit the most abortions. So when you begin to look at these different areas you begin to see that there's something wrong with the culture because when you think about abortion, when you think about crime, when you think about incarceration, when you think about single family households, there's something going on within the culture that isn't right. And could it just be that we're holding to the wrong values? Could it just be that? I said this before in one of my podcasts. The reality is this. You and I are being shaped by something or somebody. Somebody is influencing our thinking. Something is influencing our thinking. Some community is influencing the way we think. And... If we're being influenced a certain way by the way we in the way we think, that means we're going to behave a certain type of way. So let's break this down for a second. If the great majority of African American households are about seventy-five to eighty percent single family, that what does that mean? First off, that means this economically, it's going to be very difficult for you to get by. Living in a capitalistic society. Hence, a capitalistic society means you need to have capital. If you don't have money, it's going to be very difficult for you to survive. And if you are a single parent raising a child or multiple children and you don't have a father in the home, and you got to work double shifts and then you you are relying on another person to watch your kids who's shaping your kids values who's shaping their minds society the streets bet your favorite hip hop artists they're getting their values from somebody And that somebody usually won't be the parent if they're working all the time. Unless they have a very good support system. 
So what happens is by default, a lot of the children end up growing up in a in an environment filled with vices. So that's on the external level, but then on the more internal level, we have to remember, theologically speaking, that we all are sinful, sinful beings to begin with. So we already have a sin-laced internal desire. We want to do the wrong thing. We're already bent in the wrong direction as individuals. And when you do not have a parent or parents there to restrain that evil, and then on top of that, you begin to build upon the evil that's already in you with the community, you have a major cultural problem. Are you following me? So the first thing we have to we have to understand is okay we're sinful beings sin needs to be restrained the first measure of restraint is self but then again if you're not taught that you have sin or if your parents do not believe in sin or if your parents are not around to to emphasize that or to restrain when you do do wrong the next level of defense is going to be what the police it's going to be an outside authority. And bang, here it comes to police contact. The culture, my friends, the culture is the issue. So let's look at it from another perspective. Say the mama is in the house. Say she is around her children. But say the mama has bad the, uh, bad uh, values, the wrong values. Say the mama is influenced by Meg the Stallion and wants to be out there partying with her friends. Say the mama is very sensual. Say daddy's not around. Say daddy's in jail. Or say daddy just he just he just doesn't want to be around. And then this parent, this mother, is raising these kids. So what's going to likely happen is the mama's going to instill the same values that's within her or the same vices that, that is within her into her kids. And those kids, those kids grow up with the same type of mindset unless there's some intervention from another person or by God himself, which could lead to police contact. Because the sin is not being restrained. It's being loosed. Because when you're into hip-hop and those vices, that lawlessness, and it stirs you up, and you see these guys on TV with all this money and they act like they're this and they're that, you want to become that. Because you want that type of attention and respect. So it may lead you into drugs or robbery or all other types of criminal activity. And then before you know it, you're a statistic. So this comes back to the household. Are you following me? So something has to change. And then this goes into what about the community leadership? 
And I've said this before, I believe, unfortunately, and there are some good guys out there. There are some some warriors out there. I think they're very minimal in number. But there are there is a lack of community leadership within the black community. You think about the guys like the Al Sharpton, the Jesse Jackson. Now you have Black Lives Matter. Now this is, let me see if you have Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is a satanic organization. You should run from that organization. Read their belief statement on their website. Go to Black Lives Matter and look at what they believe. They literally want to dismantle the family. And the reason why that is, their belief statement is why it is, because one of the co-founders is a polyamorous, listen to this, a polyamorous practitioner of this Nigerian divination religion. What it means to be a polyamorous means you're not you're in multiple relationships with the consent of your partner. And that's the person and that's the person who's leading this movement or one of the persons and she doesn't see herself as merely a political leader. She sees, she sees herself as a being a spiritual leader. And this is the very problem with the black community. The jacked up homes. And she is promoting that because she is a polyamorous homosexual. And the other leader is a Marxist, which is a, a bigger problem. But not a bigger problem, another problem. So nonetheless, you have these type of people then you have the Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, haven't done nothing worth for the last 50 years. But then you have your rappers. You have some community leaders that, you know, try to do what they can. And your pastors, by and large, unfortunately in the black church, again, I can't speak for everyone, but when was the last time you heard your pastor say anything to the effect that we need to abolish hip hop? We need to totally destroy it get it out of the household get it out of the community no usually what they'll do is they'll try to bring in, they'll try to bring it in the church to manipulate people to come to church in some shape or form so in, in, in saying all that in saying all this we need to understand that we cannot live in a vice-filled way within our own culture and expect things to change and begin to pluck out different specks while not removing the log. So how do we remove the log? You know, Michelle, you're pointing out the problems, but how do we make it different? How do we get it better? Well, I think firstly, it begins with individual choice. You first have to discover who you are as a person. And you first have to discover or have the desire to say, you know, I want to live a virtuous life. I want to set my life to be, I want to live a morally excellent life before man and before God. I want to treat people with respect. I don't want to present myself. If I'm a young lady, I don't want to walk around with my butt and boobs out. I don't want to, I don't want men to lust after me. I want to, I want to show myself with elegance. And respect. I want to be respected, so I'm going to present myself with 
be in a respectful way. And the same thing for men. If you're a young man, you don't you don't aspire to want to be a gangster or a thug or a drug dealer or even an athlete for that matter. It's nothing wrong with being an athlete, but begin to develop your intellectual abilities. Begin to grow in your own virtue. Learn how to treat the opposite sex. Learn how to be a man and take responsibility. Surround yourself, and this is, and this is for both sexes, surround yourself around people that have sound wisdom, that are good people, that have a living example. That you say, man, they, they, they're doing pretty well. Let me learn from them. Put good influences in your life and then on the same token, begin to destroy all the bad influences in your life. If you have a whole bunch of hip hop, get rid of it all. And I mean that, get rid of it all. If your clothing attire is filled with just sensuality, get rid of it. Get some new clothes. If you if you're able to do that. Begin to have a new way of thinking about things that will be positive, that will be upright. You see, one of the problems within the black community is, again, this goes into hip hop culture, is by living this type of way, the way I just explained, living a positive light, it gets frowned on upon. And because people are afraid to live or people are People know if they live a type of way, it makes them afraid to want to live that type of way because then they will be labeled an outcast. They will be labeled a square. This is a problem within the black community. That is why there needs to be cultural reform and it begins with individuals, but more so and it begins with the parents. If you're a single parent, you are the one that has the most influence. You can tell what you, you can tell your kids what they can listen to, what they cannot listen to. You can explain to them why they shouldn't listen to it. But I'm going to tell you, if you are one that already has kids and they're already on that path because you've allowed them to go on that path, it's going to be very hard. It's going to be difficult now. But you still can change. Better late than never. And more importantly, the change would need to be and needs to come from Jesus Christ. But let me just let me just stay on this natural plane first. So it begins with you. If you're listening to this podcast, it begins with you. If you're African American, it could be a white American. That same thing. It same applies. I'm speaking primarily to blacks. You need to make some choices. Let me just tell you my story and this is why I'm saying I'm speaking from experience yes I'm using a theological framework perspective but I'm speaking from experience when I was 18 years old I had a my first child my daughter is 20 years old she'll be 21 in two months when I had her at 18 I was not looking forward to starting a family I was just messing around there having sex and that's what happened I love my daughter with everything in me but the truth is, our relationship has not been the best due to the fact we've never lived in the same home. So she 
I mean, to a great degree, there's been different values. I I had different values as opposed to her mother's. Her mother had different values. And due to that differing conflict, there arose problems. And it falls on me because, yep, even though I was 18 years old and I didn't have any really aspirations to get married or have children at that particular time, it's still my responsibility as being a man. And these type of things are happening all the time because I was inspired at 18 years old and way before then to start having sex. I started having sex when I was 13 years old. I was inspired by the community around me who's into hip hop, all my friends, all my family were all into the same stuff. And that's how my values were being shaped. Even though I had my mom and dad, they were both in my life. But the truth is, like my mom and my dad, they allowed me to be shaped by that culture. They should have stopped it, frankly. They should have stopped a lot of things, but they didn't. But I mean, that's what under the bridge. It's not to criticize them, but the way I the way I'm looking at it now is almost being 40 years old. There are a lot of things they allow me to do that I would never allow my kids to do because I know the impact. But nonetheless, the reality is this. When I was coming up, that's how I was shaped. So I began to engage in sex at a very young age, began to drink at a very young age, began to smoke weed at a very young age. All because of the culture I was being influenced by, the values that I was being influenced, or the value or the vices I was being influenced by, which is primarily flowing from that of hip hop culture. Because all my friends at that particular time, let me think about that. All my close friends both had parents in their life, both parents, except one. But the majority of them had, you know, their mom and dad there, just had the wrong values, or at least the values that were being instilled was just wrong because the culture in and of itself had problems. And you see, that's the issue. It's the culture. So lo and behold, I'm 18 years old. I have a baby now. I don't know how to be a father. I'm not, I'm a boy myself. And I'm not going to go into all my personal business, but I'll just say it like this. The road has been very rocky. Very, very rocky. And this is a learning experience that now I'm sharing with all you guys. You do not want to begin messing around just because it's the popular thing to do or feels good in the moment. And then all of a sudden you have a baby and then you have no aspirations to be with that person. And then you have this, this torn house, this torn uh, family torn apart. And then you're raising kids that, you know, don't have much guidance or you're, you're doing your thing and mom's doing their thing. And it, it just becomes a mess and it continues to perpetuate the problems that we're having in the black community. It has to stop. So my advice is, do not do not put the, or do do not be one that's trying to take the speck out of this whole police brutality thing. That's a speck. Begin to look at yourself. How are you contributing to this narrative?
You know, I hear all this stuff and I get sick of it about, oh man, my son, you know, I, you know, my son, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to see him and he's going to show at risk and because, you know, all because of what's going to what happen to George Floyd and the whole narrative is, you know, my, my son could be George Floyd. You know what? Let me just, just, just stop it. Please stop it. Stop that foolishness. The likelihood of your son becoming like George Floyd is extremely low. The likelihood of your son becoming like someone within your community, being killed by someone within your own community is very high. Since the number one cause of death of homicide for black men 18 to 39, or actually 15 to 39, is that of homicide by the hands of another black man, not by the hands of a white man. And again, that's a symptom of a larger problem. What are the values in your household? What are you allowing your kids to listen to? What are you listening to? What type of values do you hold Do you hold as a parent? What type of values do you hold as a father? What type of values do you hold as a mother? What are you teaching your kids? Is it uprightness? Is it virtue? Are you living that way? Are you not? You want to end police brutality? Have your household filled with virtue rooted in Jesus Christ. That is one way which will have a major effect on your life and your kid's life. So, we need to really look at ourselves. Black leaders need to look at ourselves. This is why, and when it comes to a lot of the black leaders, and this, this is like a, a double-edged sword, because a lot of the black leaders are, are silent on the issues that really affect the community, but then will instigate the issues that are least, least influential in our community. Do you notice that most black leaders will not get at the fact that about the fatherlessness in the household, the immorality within the black community, let me go back. The fatherlessness within the black community, the immorality that is in the black community, the hip hop that's in the black community, the narcotic uses in the black community, the violence that's in the black community, but they will instigate racism within the black and white community. And that is a problem. That's why I've said before and I'll say again. One of the biggest problems within the black community is our leaders, our leadership. Because in order to stand up against all of that, if you stand up against the the the, the race narrative, then you're gonna be labeled Uncle Tom. And of course, nobody wants to be labeled Uncle Tom or a coon or or whatever pejorative you want to use. No one wants to be labeled that. And then if you begin to speak out against to destroy hip hop, to abolish hip hop, to destroy the R&B influence, destroy this, the immorality, all that, then you're going to be looked at as being judgmental or you're going to be hated because, you know, that's what the community is about. You're not being black or whatever. A lot of our, a lot of our leaders, as I said it before, are cowards. And they go along with it because they do not want or rather they enjoy the praise of men and they do not want to be criticized to that degree. Well, guess what? I will be criticized and that's fine with me as long as I'm saying what is right and I believe what I'm saying is right. I know it's right historically. I know it's right 
statistically, I know it's right experientially because I've lived it. And I can say now that I'm doing fairly well. I ripped myself of that lifestyle a long time ago. But more importantly, and I'll end on this tip. In the black community, we need to return back to Jesus Christ. We need to return back to Jesus Christ. We need to return back to his word, to his values. Why is Jesus so important? I'm not speaking of being religious. Let me be very clear about that. Not being religious. I'm speaking of being born again by the spirit. Having the spirit of God come inside you and regenerate you, making you a new creature. In John chapter 3, verse 3 through 8, Jesus talks about being born again. And when you're born again by the spirit, it's very much like the wind. I'm looking outside my window right now and I see the trees blowing. But you don't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind. The effects of the wind is the trees blowing outside. The blades of grass going back and forth. That's what you see from the wind. And Jesus is very clear in John chapter 3, 3 through 8. He says, spirit gives birth to spirit. And he said, it's like the wind. When the spirit of God comes inside somebody, he begins to change that person from the inside out to be in line with the new covenant. The new covenant is a better covenant than the old covenant because the old covenant was this. It was the Ten Commandments being written on stone. You know, thou shalt not have a, any God before me. Thou shalt not have any idols. Thou shalt not take any, the Lord's name in vain. Do not commit murder. Do not, do not commit false witness. Do not um, honor your mother and your father. Do not steal. All those commandments that God given us on those stones, he says, now I'm going to put it inside of you. So in a, in a supernatural way, that law that was on the outside is now going to be on the inside in a supernatural way that you will want to obey him in the spirit of God. That's his responsibility to make that change happen inside of you so that therefore you become transformed by him and want to live in an upright manner. You see, becoming a Christian is just not about going to heaven. It's about having your whole lifestyle change, which therefore will affect cultural change. Because now you're not living for yourself. You're not even living for your family. You're living for Jesus Christ. And then those godly values that are in line with the new covenant will now begin to be worked into your family as well. And then we have other weapons of prayer. We can target the enemy. We can destroy strongholds. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 4 and 5, we can destroy false arguments. We can war against the enemy. We have all these different, we have all this access to God's wisdom and his power to live upright lives. And this all begins to get at virtue and living honorable lives, changing the cultural community. And on the same token, you're abolishing the wickedness of your own sin, and then you get the opportunity to abolish the wickedness that's in your own community by speaking out against it. It's a glorious thing. 
So in saying all that, as I end this podcast, black community, what are you going to do? Are we just going to focus on police brutality or we get that fixed? That's the end. If that is what we're after, let me tell you, as the Bible would say, thou art a fool. That may have some effect, but the real issue at hand is us. Is us. So in saying that, I'll end this podcast. Share this podcast. Leave a comment. Leave a thought. Like the channel. It will help me out a lot. Um, like the podcast if you're on YouTube. Facebook, leave a comment. And I'll be talking to you guys soon. God bless.